everyone. Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. I'm Ashlyn Phelps, the communications coordinator at High Point Church, and this is an episode of Escaping Babel, which is one of our podcast series that's all about how to escape cultural captivity with gospel truth. In the next few episodes in this series, we're going to talk about masculinity. This week, you'll hear from Nick, our lead pastor, Hannah Ahn, Nick's assistant, and John Sekatowski, our director of kids' ministries. And women, don't tune out because it's also important for us to understand biblical masculinity, to navigate relationships or friendships with other men, and to understand how this all might relate to our own femininity. As always, if you have any questions or feedback, send us an email at podcast at highpointchurch.org. Thanks for listening. Hey, friends. Welcome to the Engage and Quit podcast. This week, we, well, I'm John Sikotowski, the director of kids ministry here at High Point Church. I'm here with Hannah Ahn. Hello. And Nick Gibson. Hi. Thank you for using my lowest voice. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be talking today about masculinity. So we're going to, we're going to kind of start with the beginning of what is masculinity and why does it matter in the context of the Escaping Babel series that we've been doing. Then what makes a man a man and what differentiates a man from a woman and then some practical things that we'll step into of how can we grow those things that are particular to men as men. So we'll see if we get to all those things, but let's start by um, just kind of the overall in the context of Escaping Babel, why is it important to be talking about masculinity? I think the biggest reason is because one, our culture has lost its nerve and capacity to talk mm-hmm. about masculinity well, other than negatively. And secondly, I think part of the reason for that is that what our culture has been doing for the last couple of decades, at least, is to try to bring in the low percentage marginalized, right? Mm-hmm. So, in it, but in doing that, what it's what it's tended to do is to say there's no big difference between the majority and these marginalized majorities, right? And to try to get rid of those differences that cause them to be marginalized, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you. It, but the problem with that is, is that it misunderstands the formation and in, in sustaining of civilization and human flourishing. That mm-hmm. in order for civilizations to sustain well or grow or reform themselves well and to be vibrant rather than declining, you have to specifically teach the majority what they are. Mm-hmm. That that's not just like licked up off the ground. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to teach little boys what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And you have to teach little girls what it means to be a woman in the norm as a majority. Mm-hmm. And that has to be very direct, clear, and forthright. So much so that the marginalized people are probably going to be harmed a little bit by it. Mm-hmm. And so you can do a bunch of things to try to minimize that harm and to try to bring them fully in, which we, we've talked about a little bit in the non-normative stuff we just did before this but you but you can't say well we want to make sure that little boys that aren't very masculine aren't hurt so we're not going to teach any boys what masculinity is definitely because we don't want people who don't identify with that to be hurt Mm -hmm. well the problem is is you just hurt them now you just hurt 95 percent of boys Mm -hmm. because you don't affirm and form and give them and teach them what it means to be a man Mm -hmm. and you just leave it into this like vague penumbra of whatever's and Mm -hmm. But they're going to grab onto somebody and something. So the people sometimes who are the worst versions of masculinity who speak up and behave in a non-ambiguous fashion, Mm -hmm. rappers, athletes, our good president, Mm -hmm. and so on, like who have this kind of, uh, usually it's going to be kind of a Mm bravado-ish masculinity. The the very kind of masculinity that most people want to say is relatively toxic. That's precisely what boys are going to gravitate to to, if there are not men in their life that transmit to them a Mm -hmm. noble version of masculinity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And I think what I've noticed too, especially among, so I'm a 26 year old man and especially amongst men, my age and younger, I see too, right. Just this, this anxiety about not knowing exactly what it means to be a man. And so not being able to confidently step into anything. And so there's this sort of this strange, almost like I was describing it to a friend of mine, almost like a floatiness to, to young men who just have no idea of what it means to, to honorably step into masculinity and to do that confidently. And so because there's lacking that honor, lacking that confidence, there is just this floaty, uncertain, what exactly should I be doing in being a quote unquote man? Right. And and one of the, I think really important things to say about this is that um, one of the things they found in like all boys schools and in some things like this, Leonard Sachs talks about this in his book, Boys Adrift. He says, 
um, you could have an all boys school where a woman is the favorite teacher. Mm. She's like the math teacher or the social studies teacher or the science teacher, right? Women can transmit almost everything to boys. The only thing they can't transmit to boys is manhood. Mm-hmm. They just, boys will not listen to a woman tell them what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't work. But yeah. women can transmit almost everything else. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that boys shouldn't listen to women, or it's, it's, but that like men have to do the work of transmitting manhood. Mm-hmm. And in every culture that has persisted, that's happened. And some scientists have actually looked at cultures that have persisted for more than a thousand years without going into decadence or decline and falling apart. Judaism, Navajos, you know, people like that. They all have very distinct man to boy rituals and structures where their conception of manhood gets passed on. Mm-hmm. And so I think the Christian church needs to be equipped for that. That is, we need to equip our younger men um, where the, where their education has been lacking in what it means to be a man. Mm-hmm. And then we need to get better at passing on masculinity to yeah. our young men yeah. in a way that is godly so that a worldly form of bravado-driven, toxic masculinity or the absence of masculinity um, doesn't pervade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it'd be helpful to get... Um, to just kind of paint the bleakness of the picture a little bit as we get into this, into some of the ways that the culture that our kind of current cultural moment gets this stuff wrong and how it damages men and how it damages women. So why don't we talk just a little bit about some of the current cultural conceptions of what a man should be and the damage that that has done both to men and to women. And so why we need to start to, to reform it. Yeah. So, okay, it's a little hard to say what a man shouldn't be or should be Mm -hmm. because there is that floatiness. It's kind of like, it's sort of like you're standing on a a line Mm -hmm. and nobody tells you what to do, but every time you try to step forward, they tell you not that, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like the basic principle of manhood is being inoffensive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To be nothing in particular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Don't be too strongly anything um, because you don't want to... Um, limit or infringe upon someone else's space. Yeah. yeah the most important thing for a man to be is pro-feminist. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> right. So it not only is what you're supposed to be, but it gets chicks. Right. You know, but it, that kind of gets at this like weird dichotomy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, you know, you want to have the most non-formed masculinity as possible. And yet every guy is sort of a guy just below a very thin veneer. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, yeah, so there's, there's a number of ways this has happened. So one, what it, what it tends to do is if you don't teach men how to be men, then you you tend to get a kind of hyper-masculinity in all the worst ways. Mm-hmm. And you tend to get a profound passive masculinity in all the areas where it could be the best ways. Mm-hmm. And you, you tend to get men that are m- much more destructive and yet less productive. So that you get these men that end up being kind of like leeches on society and on mm-hmm. their parents and on their families. They misuse women. They're not highly productive in their work. They don't actually get good at anything. They don't see themselves as providing and protecting. I, one of the things that I've, I tell kids like in fifth and sixth grade, mm-hmm. so sometimes the school have me come and talk to like buddingly pubescent boys, right? And what I tell boys is like, you have a big decision to make because if you don't choose noble masculinity and become a provider and a protector, then you will become a pirate or a pillager mm-hmm. because you're a boy. And you're going to do something like your masculine energy Mm -hmm. is going to work in some direction. Mm -hmm. And if it's not harnessed towards noble and good things, it's going to do other things because you're driven to compete. You're driven to try to do something. You're you're driven to figure out if you're smart enough and strong enough and good enough. And if you can lead and who will follow you and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And so like in like sixth grade, when the boy, this always happens in about fifth or sixth grade, the boys start touching the girls in like sort of sexual ways that aren't really like abuse, but they shouldn't be doing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's like, well, he just touched, he like slapped me on the butt. You're like, yeah, okay. We need to talk to the boys. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like, oh, it's like, it's almost always October. <laughs> it's like fifth grade, October. Yep. It's like, it's like, you can set your watch by it developmentally. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have to go in. So the, what I, what the boys were used to being taught was you don't touch the girls. Just don't touch them. Right. And that's it. And that's not what I teach them. I say, listen, not only are you not supposed to touch the girls that way, like a pirate or a pillager, it's you, it's your job to protect them. So if you see another boy doing that, you need to go tackle that boy and like make him apologize and like dogpile him and do whatever's necessary. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't treat 
these women that way because that's your job as a man, mm-hmm. right? And I, the administrators push back on me a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like, Look, I, don't want, I don't want mob justice out there. But I was like, right. listen, if you don't harness their masculinity, if you don't tell, give them something right. positive to do, right. they will only hold the neutral position for so long. There's too much masculine energy for them to hold the neutral position. They're going to do one thing or another. Mm-hmm. And so you see this with men. And so you'll see this with how men treat women. Like Their masculine energy will drive forward in order to hook up with them. But it never flowers in anything. It never produces a relationship that mm-hmm. produces a marriage and a life mm-hmm. and new human beings. And it, it it has no ability to create a city. Mm-hmm. It just it, it's it's basically what a pillager does. They ride in, they burn a bunch of stuff down, and they take what they darn well want, and then mm-hmm. they leave. And they leave people to deal with the wreckage they've left behind. Yeah. And they steal the productivity of others rather than give into the productivity of others. But the problem is, is that for men who are not harnessed into noble masculinity they look at people who behave nobly and they think of those people as suckers Hmm. because one of the things that's part of strong masculinity is a certain kind of disagreeable independence. Like I'm not going to conform to what you tell me to conform Mm -hmm. to. And women actually like that. That's, that's one of the reasons why women will often go after the quote bad boy instead of the nice guy. Right. Because it's the nice guy is morally more good than the bad boy. But the morally good boy is that way usually because he's a spineless conformist, mm-hmm. not because he's truly good in a terrifyingly godly way. Mm-hmm. And the bad boy is not good, but he's independent. Right. And so she thinks, well, if he, he commits himself to me, I will be the thing he fights for and is independent for it. Mm-hmm. Other people won't be able to control him mm-hmm. and we'll be to get right? right. And so, or I'll be able, I'll be able to add the things that he's kind of lacking. And so then I'll, I'll receive the fortitude that I'm looking for, but right. I can already provide the niceness in right. this relationship. So I don't need just two nice right. people, but I, yeah. And I need, I need someone who's not going to be pulled away from me mm-hmm. because he's conforming to everybody else. Right. Right. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, a true masculine energy, but that's got to be harnessed into purposes. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you resisting? Like, what are you independent towards? What are you, right? Yeah. What, what you'll end up doing is because you're not harnessed towards anything noble, in order to affirm yourself, you'll condemn what's good. Mm-hmm. And so then you'll look at people who are doing what's good and you'll say, those people are suckers. Yeah. Yeah. They're conformists. And so then you'll be more committed to being nonconformist. And, and usually what that means is being more committed to being selfish. Mm-hmm. And so then instead of being productive, you will be unproductive and yeah. you'll steal the productivity of others, which is the whole like live at home, play video games. Video games are, are almost by definition looking at a screen passively. I don't want to mm-hmm. say video games. Looking at a screen passively is almost by definition the least productive thing you can possibly do mm-hmm. in human life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think, so, right, you look at people who are playing video games and by and large, it's okay, let, young men. Let's, area. okay, so I want to, I just want to drop in a thing here because yes, I know some yes. men are just going to be like, why well, I listen to this? <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something in a healthy life called leisure, mm-hmm. right? There is a certain amount of enjoyment God wants us to be able to experience and video games and TV and film and all kinds of things, games mm-hmm. and whatever, um, can be a kind of leisure that is perfectly reasonably good. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I'm not saying that like the existence of video games is itself a horror. Like I would mm-hmm. I would say that about like pornography, for example, mm-hmm. I would say that about video games. The problem is, is that men are so drawn mm-hmm. to the success, success, failure, success, failure, success, right. failure, success, cooperation, fighting, triumph, heroic, right. like right. storytelling. I think it, ta- I think it taps games. into something that is legitimately right. masculine. Right, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so so I would say beyond a godly amount of controlled leisure, mm-hmm. video games become this unproductive right. and destructive force. Right. Right. And I think I think a thing that's helpful to see about video games in in how that can happen is because I think they are really viscerally tapping into something that is in like the undercurrent of noble masculinity like a a desire to to succeed a desire oftentimes in like video games with stories there's you're playing the role of a hero and many of those things are legitimate good things about masculinity but they're getting yeah they provide to masculinity a fake version of what pornography can't Mm -hmm. right pornography right provides a certain amount of fake masculine Uh, like like uh, what masculinity is longing for Mm -hmm. and video games can provide most of the rest of it Mm -hmm. and you you literally see this with a lot of young men Mm -hmm. that those are the two things they do 
Yeah. Um, and then in some cultures you can add like smoking weed to it. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's, we play video games, we masturbate, you use pornography and we smoke weed and we eat. Mm -hmm. And those are the four things we're interested in doing. Um, and if we can get promiscuous girls to come over and have sex with us or whatever, then all that fun, that maybe that's fun, but whatever, Mm -hmm. but we're not going to work for it. Yeah. And that's our lives. And I I just can't tell you how many people I've talked to for whom not only are young men doing this, they're not ashamed of it. Mm Mm-hmm. They think that everybody else who doesn't live like this is a sucker working right. for the man. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, they think that if they went out and got a job like their father did mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, if they even had a father or like their mother did, they're being a sucker. And um, part of real masculinity, even within sub subcultures, but it's broadening out all the more now that like women, women will work for you. Mm-hmm. Like they want, look, and, and the thing is feminism has kind of created the woman who wants to work. The woman who's like wants to be self-determined and wants to work and wants to, and dang it if they're not still women and want to have male companionship. Mm-hmm. Right. And a lot of men are realizing that like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Like if you do a little bit, these self-determined women will like let you do the stuff and you can play video games and they'll pay most of the bills and you know, you do a few things and it works and women are getting smart. Are, I think smartening up to this, a lot of them, but Sometimes it goes on for a while. Yeah. I heard recently that the top reason for marriage, for filing for divorce in the first year or two with younger couples now is that the man is playing mm-hmm. an inordinate amount of video games. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that. Yeah. yeah and there, there are some women now, like Leonard Sachs talks about in his book, women who are recognizing that one of the first things they need to ask a man is if they play video games. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, they're done. Yeah. Like done. That's it. I, I think that's really wise. I think if you're a woman listening to this and you're looking about who to date, I'm not saying you should, if they say they play any video games, you should be done. Mm-hmm. But I think that the question, like, you know, if you visit their apartment, like how prominent is their gaming unit? Mm-hmm. Is it the main thing in the main room? Mm-hmm. Or is it like something they can pull out if they want to play it? Or how much do they play? And how can you see their Apple app usage thing? And, mm-hmm. you know, stuff. Cause, cause I think it's a huge, huge thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so that's part of the wreckage, right? right? And that right. that is a pornography the, the, the pornography video game cocktail mm-hmm. um, is a full life replacement. Yeah, and it's important to recognize that. And there are a lot of men who are not just not just doing it, but their their capacity to justify it is extremely high. Mm-hmm. Partly because of the sucker thing we talked about, but partly because there is no alternative narrative of purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Our culture right. has wiped out every profound narrative of purpose for human life. Right. If mm-hmm. human life doesn't have a purpose, if you are just an entity that is that is emerged from matter plus chance plus time, mm-hmm. you don't have a purpose. So why mm-hmm. wouldn't you mm-hmm. do just whatever you felt like? Just right. obey your nervous system. You'll and this be happy. Is, and this is exactly like what you were talking about with the fifth and sixth grade boys, where... If you're just saying, oh, that's not right, and you're not harnessing that towards another towards mm-hmm. another more honorable end, they're just gonna keep doing what they're doing. So if that if that alternate yeah. narrative isn't there, it's like, why not continue with what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. And and it's you know, like they're all you can always broaden it out more yeah. and more and more and more. Like, for example, men are just not respected mm-hmm. culturally. Mm-hmm. Right. Women don't respect men. They don't treat men with respect. Mm-hmm. They don't treat their insights with respect. Women assume that if men behave differently from them, the the woman, the female behavior and insight is the norm and what's what should be the baseline. Mm-hmm. And if the man conforms with it, good. If he doesn't, he's wrong. Women behave in parenting oftentimes like it's their job as a woman to protect the children from their father, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rather than what women used to say is you wait till your father gets home. Right. If you're going right. to disrespect me like this. Right. Um, women often abandon their husbands when they have children, essentially until their children leave the house mm-hmm. and then wonder why some of these men have affairs, which yeah. the, the men are still wrong to have the affairs. Mm-hmm. But but like um, men are just simply not, not respected for the things that men yeah. do that women used to appreciate men doing. Yeah. And so yeah. so you, you can widen this out to like, we have made, and then you add in no-fault no divorce where mm-hmm. if a woman wants a man's money, but no longer his companionship or presence. Mm-hmm. She can just leave him, take his children. 80% of the time, she'll be granted the vast majority of custody, mm-hmm. but she still gets his money. So he still has to be exploited in his work to create a productivity to pay for his children and his wife. Though she doesn't care to give back her portion 
of the arrangement anymore. Mm-hmm. And she is affirmed by and protected by the state in doing so. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so th- there's a number of situations that like, that's why when you, when somebody says, like, if I get on here, I'm like, listen, men need to like buck up and like get their button gear. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of people now that call that white knightism. Hmm. That like a man should be a white knight, like this great paladin who like always lives according to chivalry, no matter what the culture is doing to him. Hmm. And he will ride through like the black swamp of misery and it will not touch him because he's so full of virtuous goodness. And some of these people are like, you got to quit thinking about men like that. Like Hmm. men are creatures that relate to incentives too. Hmm. And if you treat them like garbage and video games and porn is available, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think a very large portion of them are going to do? And that's right. Mm Mm-hmm. The only a small portion of people are going to be so motivated by faith and virtue hmm. that no matter what the culture says about them, no matter what it does, and no matter what incentives it puts before them, they will do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And to them, that's bound up in their masculinity. Yeah. That's going to be a minority. What, 20%, 15%? Yeah. Well, we need 85% of men to be men <laughs> right. for a society to work. <laughs> and we better right. figure out right. a way to pick up that 70%. Right. Because mm-hmm. we're losing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of a couple of things in what you're saying that you see as sort of the shifts that caused the these things to happen. So like men being less res- less respected because of um, things like no fault divorce. I mean, so I'm I'm willing to entertain that this is too big of a topic to get into right, right. now. The but, men being less respected is just utterly broad, mm-hmm. right? It, and it's true that women needed to be more respected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem with reform. Human beings are terrible at reform, yeah. especially when the reform is radical. They, it tends to be massively overcorrecting. And so certain versions of feminism have been were just radically overcorrecting in very unhelpful ways. Mm-hmm. And that's just too bad because yeah. what it produces is men. Because the problem with, with, with that is, is that you screw men over long enough and they will rebel against you and stick it to you. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways men do that is they take full advantage of the sexual revolution and the promiscuity of women. And they, like, and they don't feel bad about it because when you disrespect a man enough, they will act in extremely inhuman ways and think themselves justified because Mm -hmm. in a world without honor, the best pillager is the strongest man. Yeah. And that's how they'll think about it. They'll, if you take away morality, they will think in terms of pragmatism Mm -hmm. and in a pragmatic world, the successful vigilante is the, is the man. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've mentioned portions of this, but what does it look like to start to get into redeemed masculinity? Mm-hmm. So, so right. Cause I think that's true that there is the incentive structure that needs to be there for kind of like a wider to, to spread the base out wider, but what are right. And that incentive structure has to be relative to what is distinctively masculine. Mm-hmm. So it has to be, it has to be specifically and creatively structured for what a man actually is. Mm-hmm. So in order for this to get better, our anthropology has to get more correct. Yeah. That is understanding of what humans are has to be right first, which culturally I think is completely wrong. And then what a human being is as a man or as a woman has to be on. And then how those people are incentivized and changed and transform and grow from childhood to death Mm -hmm. has to be right. And I think all of those are radically skewed right now, culturally speaking. Yeah. So how do we begin to, Renew that. Right. So the first step would be to have a, a proper human anthropology, which we're mm-hmm. not going to get into in this podcast. Yeah. Right. But that all human beings are made in the image of God would be a mm-hmm. good start to that. Yeah. And that, that image of God is born in the maleness and femaleness of men mm-hmm. and women. Right. That's in Genesis 1. Yeah. The only document in the ancient world that claims that human beings are made in the image of God and that both male mm-hmm. and female are yeah. made in the image of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rather than the men being in the image of the gods. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's an important point, right? So then the question is, how does a man live in the image of God, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that in order for a man to be a man, they have to theologically or morally accept like three or four very major points, right? The first is is that they're made in God's image and they have been given by God what's called the creation mandate, mm-hmm. which is to be fertilely fruitful, that is to produce human children and two to take dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is to go out and use your creative potential, your strength and your capacity to bring order into the world for its flourishing and the flourishing of the people who live in it. Mm-hmm. One, we call that work. Right. And secondly, you're to bring forth offspring, but you're supposed to do it in a particular kind of way. 
That is, you're supposed to bring up human beings that will themselves embrace the creation mandate mm-hmm. and the mandate to live out human life as it should be, right? Which means a certain kind of development and nurturing. In Genesis 2, God lays down the structure for that by creating the woman. Mm-hmm. So he creates the woman for the man because it's not good for the man to be alone. And he makes the woman to remedy that. Mm-hmm. So the not goodness for the man is not, and that's, that's not just sexually, and it's not even just in terms of companionship. It's in terms of the creation mandate. Mm-hmm. So the man cannot engage in multiplying without the woman, mm-hmm. and the man can't engage in taking dominion without the woman, right? She is, the Hebrew word is there, that is the helper without which you can't succeed, mm-hmm. right? So she's the helper without which the man can't succeed, either in the way he would emotionally break down without her companionship, in terms of the comfort and joy God wants him to have in fulfilling God's calling, because he wants it to be a happy calling, mm-hmm. right? And so he makes a woman so that it would be a good and happy, pleasureful calling, right? But then also she's there to aid him and work together with him mm-hmm. in the creating of new life and in the taking dominion of the world. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. And so therefore, the acceptance of woman as a gift of God for the purpose of fulfilling the creation mandate, such that it is at the end of Genesis 2, so that the so that a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. That mm-hmm. is the permanence of conjugal union in what we call marriage. That that is the archetype and the fundamental structure by which we're supposed to pursue the creation mandate as men, mm-hmm. right? Selecting a woman who is God's gift to us as our as their, our helper without which we can't succeed mm-hmm. and to engage in multiplying and in bringing dominion in our work and in our lives together with that person as one, mm-hmm. right? Those two mandates, the complementary mandate that women are good and you are meant to come together with one for the purpose of fulfilling the creation mandate and the creation mandate itself, you are made to fill the earth and take dominion over it in a positive sense. Mm-hmm. That's your purpose, right? To recognize that as a man will drive you in a certain direction. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, you have to recognize that you are doing so in under a curse. Mm-hmm. The curse mm-hmm. affects the woman and the man. It, it, it connects with them both slightly differently. The man more in his work, the woman more in her fertility, but it affects them both profoundly, right? Mm-hmm. And then the fourth is to recognize that both in the creation mandate as good and, and as affected by the curse, that men and women exist to be exploited mm-hmm. in the positive sense, okay? So we use the word exploit to mean to steal from people their life and work and ability, almost like slavery, mm-hmm. and to take what isn't ours so that they're used up so that we can benefit, right? And in a negative sense, when that's done unjustly, that's a great evil. But in another sense, that's literally what life is. Mm-hmm. What your life is, is to be used up for the passing on of the actions of the creation mandate. You're going to use your life up to bring the world more under the dominion of mankind yeah. for the good of other people and, and successive generations. And you will use yourself up both your fertility and your productivity for the creation of a new generation of human beings by mm-hmm. which to give it to, to carry on God's purposes so that he would have the godly offspring and so that they would embrace his mandate of humanity mm-hmm. to subdue the earth and fill it and to take dominion, right? The redemption mandate in Christ is really just meant to rehabilitate us for that. Yeah. Right. Both mm-hmm. now and forever. As a man, once you accept those, like they'll point you in a very specific direction. Yeah. You're going to go find a woman. You're going to go find some work. Mm-hmm. You're going to figure out how to take mm-hmm. dominion over something. Mm-hmm. You're going to learn to work. You're going to accept women, not as these like whores that are going to destroy your life, but as these God-given gifts that were made in a perfect complementary way to you. Recognize it's going to be hard because of the curse, mm-hmm. both between you and the woman and also in her bearing her fertility and in you bearing the exploitation of your own work. Mm-hmm. But yet the fertility and the work are good and the union is good, yeah. even though suffering under the curse. And yeah. you as a man are going to have to face that with courage and fight through it and to bring about a good. Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus came as a great warrior into the earth to bring about the means of our redemption. Yeah. And if a man can be harnessed that way in their purpose, then we can work out the details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is fun. Those four things are fundamental to the baseline of what a man is. And in a lot of ways, it's because it's fundamental what a human being is. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You know, but right. Th- there is an emphasis on the man in that the, do- in the dominion taking the responsibilities placed on him. Mm-hmm. The woman is given a role in the work of it, but God gives primary responsibility to the man because if you give a responsibility to more than one person, nobody's responsible. Mm-hmm. Somebody has to be the like locus of responsibility. Otherwise, you can pass off blame, which is exactly what happens in Genesis 3, right? Mm-hmm. They're all passing blame to each other. 
So by and so part of masculinity is recognizing that you have the primary responsibility by God, and along with that, a certain kind of primary authority in marriage towards those ends, right? And mm-hmm. in bearing that responsibility, you could be like, well, that's a lot of work, and it's a, it's going to use up. Yeah, but it's also an incredible dignity that you have to bear with dignity and honor, and that is the work of manhood. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah. I, yeah. I think that that I think that that baseline is it has to be rehabilitated because if we're going to be atheists about this, mm-hmm. I don't know an atheistic way to support a good view of manhood other than to other than just pragmatically say, well, you don't want the whole society to fall apart, do you? But that's not going to lead people to flourishing manhood. That's right. going to lead people to minimalist manhood, which right. is which is going to lead to destruction. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So so following those four. Um, so there's a, a handout that you had from about a year ago, you and Jill did a class called escaping Babel that kind of started this whole thing. And in that you had a section on advice for young men and advice for young women on how to start to pursue escaping cultural captivity within our femininity and within our masculinity. So underneath those points that you just did, you had some examples of where to start. So I'm just going to read through these. And if you want to stop and comment on them or Hannah, if you want to stop mm-hmm. and comment mm-hmm. on any of these, Feel free to do that. So yeah, examples we, where we to start. We probably shouldn't do a million of these because we're going to do three of these episodes, right? So right. Let's, just, <laughs> let's hit a couple decently well. Great. So number one, grow in your faith like you're going to be the pastor of a family with grandchildren. You guys want to talk on that for a sec? Yeah. Yeah. So God provides for other spiritual leadership outside of the, of the immediate family. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the primary locus of spiritual instruction is for the father and the mother. Mm-hmm. But what's but the primary emphasis is put on the father, I think partly because the mother tends to be with the kids naturally. And so it's fairly natural for women to pass on their faith because they're just they're bound up with their kids so young. And so from very early ages, they're gonna read them stories and tell them stories and tell them about the faith. Men, because of being one step more removed immediately from the children that they've brought into the world with the help of their wives, mm-hmm they have to do it kind of more intentionally, mm-hmm. more structured. They like, I need to get in there and do this. Yeah. And it's, that's very natural. And like, I've seen this in my life that like my wife is naturally connected in her maternity to putting the kids to bed and doing, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things she does naturally as a woman. And it's natural to teach them about the faith doing that. Mm-hmm. Though there's lots of women who don't while they're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. But men have to be like, okay, I need to sit my family down for family mm-hmm. devotions. Mm-hmm. I need to do this thing. And I need to like, like push in there and do it. And mm-hmm. so, that takes that frankly takes guts because it can mm-hmm. be embarrassing when your kids try to humiliate you and mm-hmm. you, you try to get them to sit still. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. Right. This is something that came up in conversations in our small group recently, actually. Um, I think a lot of us in our small group grew up in Christian homes. Some were even in Christian schools, very active in church, things like that. Um, and so we were pastored a lot growing up. Um, but a common thread among a lot of people in my group was that they didn't feel very pastored in their homes. Hmm. Um, and particularly from their fathers Mm -hmm. that it's, it's very easy, particularly if you're have access to churches and, uh, Christian school and things like Mm -hmm. that to kind of outsource the pastoring of your family. Um, and I don't think many men are taught today that that's actually something the father is responsible for. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're certainly not trained in how to do it yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. And that is getting back to the creation mandate mm-hmm. and some of taking dominion and having responsibility for your mm-hmm. family and preparing yourself for that. So for a young man, pursue your faith as if you're going to be the pastor of a family with grandchildren and for somebody who is in either the vocation of already having children or having grandchildren, mm-hmm. if you aren't doing that, start to step into it. Yeah. And it's important to think multiple generations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You really have to think like, you're not trying to get your faith barely into your kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You want it to go so deeply into your kids that it's deeper than it's ever been in you without you focusing on this mm-hmm. so that it will go through them into 10 generations. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think that way, you, you're probably just going to make excuses for not mm-hmm. doing anything. Yeah. yeah. And I think for Christians in general, we tend to distinguish between like this type of Bible study is something for pastors. This is what pastors do. This isn't something that normal Christians do in their own devotional life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think making this point really um, tears down that distinction in that yeah. you know, men 
you might not be vocational pastors, but you are pastors mm-hmm. if you yeah. have a family. Um, yeah, and there's lots of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some men actually just feel t- like they're terrible at this, mm-hmm. but they will gather their family around the table and then their wife leads it. Mm-hmm. But they'll be like, hey, go sit at the table. We're going to mm-hmm. have family devotions. Then they'll look at their wife and nod and be like, that's so great, sweetie, yes. Mm-hmm. And then they'll make a comment or two mm-hmm. that it's supportive um, un- until they're ready to do that themselves. But yeah, the, the the issue is not like you're terrible if you don't have family devotions or aren't prepared to do them now. Mm-hmm. The issue is, is like, you're going to be the priest of your family. You need to get your mm-hmm. button gear. Mm-hmm. That's part of masculinity. And in some ways, it is the primary mm-hmm. part. Like in Ephesians 5, it doesn't say, treat your wife well and earn a lot of money for her. It says, do everything you can for her sanctification, her spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. In some ways, your job as the priest of your family is the f- primary job of your masculinity, which yeah. goes really against the standard religion is for women and men are much less committed to religion kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Biblical masculinity, that's, it's just completely opposed to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The second one you had on here was, um, lead something, even if it needs to be small at the beginning, church is a great place to start. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And Why does that matter? Do you think? I, I, I think that, um, not everybody has a leadership gift, mm-hmm. right? But everybody's going to lead something on some level, right? And so practicing and learning is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it is a competency. And I think part of what you want to do is you want to f- gain all the competencies you're going to need to live out masculinity mm-hmm. throughout your life. And I think learning how to lead something, even if that's not your major gift, mm-hmm. is still something every man should learn how to do. Mm-hmm. And one way to do it is by leading something. Yeah. Third thing you have on here, never tell a lie. Speak your mind with careful speech when appropriate. Yeah. So part of, I I think part of what that plays into is you were talking earlier about, um, a, like a certain amount of disagreeableness that, uh, that a man should have. And, um, that can be a way to appropriately be disagreeable. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think that one of the most emasculating things in order to have noble masculinity, you have you do have to be a truth teller. Mm-hmm. You have to have a certain kind of honorability and integrity. And so one of the ways, so so some people are like, well, okay, disagreeability or like being dis- being a disagreeable person, mm-hmm. that has a negative connotation, right? Yeah. Like you don't want somebody who's just like complaining about everything. But what disagreeability means, like scientifically speaking, is just like you're not going to go along with things when you shouldn't go along with things, mm-hmm. right? Um you're not, you don't agree to stuff you shouldn't agree to. Right. And so the best place to be disagreeable is when somebody is asking you to assent to a lie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or something you believe is a lie. Yeah. And so one of the, so if you're going to be properly masculine and and be able to be like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going along with it. Having like a a backbone is what people used to call it. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You have to just know, you have to know when to do it and you have to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you, you don't want to be a jerk. Like that's not good. That's not masculine, but to be like, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And to be able to tell people graciously why and to know who you are and what you really believe and to be able to stand up for it is part of basic masculinity. And mm-hmm. honestly, that disagreeability also for men who are single is very, very critical to attracting a woman. Mm-hmm. If you, cause if, cause this is the opposite of the nice guy thing, right? The nice, right. what nice guy usually means is not good guy. Mm-hmm. What it means is agreeable guy. Yeah. who's too agreeable to the stuff around him he should be standing up to. And when women see that, it like completely deactivates their femininity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They just see, they don't see any active masculine in you that doesn't attract them. Yeah. You have to, a, the right kind of disagreeability will be helpful in attracting a godly woman. Mm-hmm. But emphasis on godly because there's some women who will not recognize what that is. Mm-hmm. But as women grow in godliness, they will recognize that they're seeing two things they long for rather than just one. Yeah. A man who is properly independent but it was properly independent in a noble way mm-hmm. as opposed to just a man who is constantly asserting his independence for any purpose he deems worthy. Yeah. You mentioned yeah. this in terms of like not going along with a lie, you know, not being pressurable into giving your consent to something. Um, yeah. As a woman, I think about this as well, maybe in terms of um, not lying about what you want or what you like. Um mm-hmm. I think my experience with men, you know, the like happy wife, happy life, like just don't upset the women um, (laughs) mentality, which I think a lot of men are taught that 
that means that you just say yes to whatever a woman says to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do this. Okay, honey, that's great. Yep, let's do right. that. Um, I think a lot of men are taught that that's what loving a woman looks like. That's what a good man should do. Um, but I don't agree with that. I think the, like, you're saying learn how to tell the truth, even about your own preferences, in a graceful way. Right. And then you can choose to let go of your preference mm-hmm. in an act of love and cooperation. Um, but that doesn't mean you have to lie about what they are. Right. Right. At least that way you're choosing. Right. I think that's more meaningful. Sort of into. Um, it's more meaningful and it's more united. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not hiding that from your partner or from your friend or et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's just. Yeah. The. I, Making each other happy, that, that's, that's a deep waters conversation that I probably should have at some point. <laughs> but yeah, Cause, yeah, because it's very, that's very relative to how shallow the other person is. Like there right. are some women who are just like very volatile and they don't, right. and they're very selfish. And so right. like happy wife, happy, like be agreeable to your wife mm-hmm. is, is, is actually incredibly ungodly because you're, she's constantly mm-hmm. trying you to get you to do stuff that's against her own interests for her spiritual growth. Right. It's very unloving. Right, so it's very unloving to just go along with it because right. it's really bad for her. Right. And so, yeah, there's a lot to hit there. But but yeah, it's that's very true. Mm-hmm. And to practice that discipline in other areas of life so that you're able to do that in a loving and graceful way, not mm-hmm. in a domineering way that says, no, this is what I want. I don't yeah, want to do and, that thing. And, and women sometimes can be prevailed upon to find it attractive and romantic for you to say, that's not what I think at all. But I'm I'm glad to do that this time just if you like it, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll do I it just because I want to do it for you. I think that's great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. Or, you know, that's like, she's like, I want to go to this restaurant. And you're like, well, that's not what I was thinking, but I can get into that. Mm-hmm. Meaning mm-hmm. like, I, I'm happy to adjust right. for, for you. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? But then right. I also think men, like when a woman goes, what do you want to do? Every once in a while, a man should say, I want to do this. Yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get through two more of these because okay. there's a list of 15 and I, <laughs> I think if we get through five, then that leaves us space yeah. for a few more podcasts. So um, number four, behave with some dignity. Learn to take yourself seriously while growing in humility. What is the kind of the important center of that, of that one? In, in one way, I just get that on your radar screen, mm-hmm. you know, um, learning to stand up for your, your, your dignity without standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like you'd be like, well, I, you should stand up for yourself. Well, well, <laughs> well what part of yourself? Like, like why? Yeah. Right. I mean, if you're being a jerk and you stand up for yourself, is that virtuous? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, it's terrible. Right. Many, and many times you're supposed to not think of your, I mean, the Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So, and to serve each other, which means don't stand up for yourself. Right. But what you do have to learn to do as a man is to not be a doormat, like to not lay down when you should be affirming something. So like you really are supposed to treat yourself like you have God's image Mm -hmm. and like you matter in that sense. And so like one of the things I, like you guys know some of the stuff I get after you guys about in terms of just speech. Like if you ask me a question and you say, I was going to ask, I'm like, well then I'm not going to answer this question that you're no longer going to ask. Right. (laughs) Or the like, yeah, I wanted to ask you about, and you'd be like, do you still want to? Right. <laughs> right. So like, uh, so I, like one of the things I teach men and women on staff here is to engage in direct locutions. Like say what you mean to say. Mm-hmm. Don't. Insert song. Say what you mean to say. Yeah. Anyways, go ahead. That's, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I just, I think a lot of men are just super passive and it's like when we talked about the, one of the dating on one episode, Nicole was like, come up to me and ask me. I'd like to say, I'd like to take you out on a date. Mm-hmm. Not, would you ever be interested in going on a date? Mm-hmm. Like a, if you asked that a woman, in I what say, hypothetical universe are yeah, we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we were on earth three and you were seven right. inches taller than maybe, you know, like, <laughs> like, like what answer do you, are you expecting? Yeah, yeah. Right. So you'd be like, I would like, I would love to take you on a date in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Would you like to go with me? And then if she says no, then fine. Mm-hmm. Cause like a lot of our indirect locutions are, we're just protecting ourselves. Right. right. And to not fear to step out and do what you think is right and to not be afraid is part of recognizing your dignity. But also I think that for men, like when women try to like walk all over you and they're being nasty, right? I don't think it's good to just be like, well, I'm sorry. And like, don't Mm -hmm. placate them. Mm -hmm. Just, just be like, okay, listen, I do not like the way you're talking to me right now. And I'm not going to, 
you, I'm not going to act like I'm okay with this, but I care about how you feel. And I want to understand what you're trying to communicate to me because I mm-hmm. care about you. Okay. So, right. And, and like people, you like, that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like when you get pissed and somebody's treating you badly, you just want to yell at them. And like, it takes a lot of courage and self-control and mm-hmm. self-understanding to be like, okay, how am I going to handle this? Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I, I think people, I think men need to learn to stand for their dignity in little ways, direct yeah. locutions, saying what you mean, standing up for your, for your dignity mm-hmm. while not standing up for your flesh. Right. I think is really important to do. Right. I think, I think it's good. And I think it also, I think it will make men who are having trouble attracting women. Mm-hmm. I think this is a big thing for yeah. a lot of them. This is the biggest problem. Yeah. They don't treat themselves with dignity. So why would women think that you're going to fight for her dignity? Right. Mm-hmm. Half right. the reason she wants mm-hmm. you is you, you will fight for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, if you only fight for yourself. Right. So, yeah. and I think that one directly leads into the, the fifth one on this list, which is treat everyone weaker than you with dignity. And right. If you're learning how to treat yourself with dignity, then you can learn how to properly treat somebody else with dignity mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, obviously you should literally treat everybody with dignity. Mm-hmm. You should even treat animals with dignity. Like, I mean, Dignity, treating things as though they have their inherent worth, mm-hmm. no matter their power relationship to you, yeah. is basically what that means. Yeah. Right? So, treating everything with the value that it's worth, regardless of your power relationship, is something that you have, is part of godliness. It's something mm-hmm. you should learn to do with everything. But one of the places we often take shortcuts is people that we think don't have to offer us, have anything to offer us, or people who we think are weaker than us and cannot enforce their indignity upon us. People who are stronger than us, if we treat them in an in undignified way, they could enforce it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's important because women know that even though they're empowered in a lot of ways, there are other ways in which they are not empowered towards the brutality of their husbands, if it exists. And so how you treat someone who is weaker than you in any way because mm-hmm. even if a woman is even you're like well women can stand up to men what's the big pro what's the yes of course women can stand up to men but they don't want to have to all the time yeah mm-hmm. they're not looking for a guy they're gonna have to stand up to they're looking for a guy that will treat them like a woman mm-hmm. and will treat them with dignity and where they can be warmer and softer and kinder and nurturing and not feel like they're about to get hit mm-hmm. you know what i mean because in order to be kind and soft and loving and nurturing you have to kind of let your guard down and take mm-hmm. your armor off. Mm-hmm. And a woman wants a space where she can do that. And she wants a man that's going to enforce a space like that around her. Yeah. And so that's critical. It's a critical thing. And mm-hmm. part, one of the things it's important to recognize is like, do not like, if you go and talk to other women your age and they're like, I don't care about that. Don't believe them. Like the, these are spiritual principles, but they're also primarily biological principles at the same time. And one of the things younger people don't understand is both men and women is what they really want. And a lot of women don't really even understand what they really want because they've been so filled with a inhuman ideology about what it means to be a human and a woman Mm -hmm. that they don't even really know what they deeply long for, Mm -hmm. right? And until they just feel it, they just are around some guy. And that's why you get women who are like, I never thought I would fall for a guy like this, Mm -hmm. but I really like him. Mm -hmm. You know, well, any... 50 year old would have known you'd fall Mm -hmm. for a guy like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like there are certain delusions about your humanity that go away over time, but kind of too late if you're looking for somebody and you want to get some of these things sorted out before you find someone. Cause if you don't get your masculinity sorted out and you marry a woman, Mm -hmm. the likelihood that she's going to expect you to live with a deformed masculinity the rest of your life, because that's what she signed up for is actually decently high. Hmm. at least for a while until she realizes that she really hates it. Yeah. So, and that can become really complicated because trying to emerge into a well-formed masculinity mm-hmm. while a woman is ex- is changing her expectations mm-hmm. as you're flying the airplane, so to speak, is that's that can be really touch and go. Mm-hmm. So that can be a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. So you want to have some of your masculinity sorted away before you get in that in that situation. Yeah. Well, you got to stop helpful. somewhere. We got to stop somewhere. <laughs> um, so hopefully this is helpful to see sort of the overall picture of the yeah. problem. I need to make one more point that yes. Hannah on said I should make before we started which <laughs> is to say that, you know, a lot of these things we talk about masculinity apply just the same to women too, mm-hmm. but that they have to be there with a man mm-hmm. in terms of how they function yeah. or their masculinity will be defective. Yeah. Right. And so don't take anything I said to it. Like if you're a woman, you'd be like, well then I can't be that. Just don't, that's not how you should take it. It's just mm-hmm. in order, we want this in men. Men mm-hmm. should have these characteristics. It yeah. doesn't mean that women shouldn't have 
some of these characteristics. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like every woman should be behave with some dignity towards people and not lie and right. like uh, care for yeah. people right. bigger yeah. than them and yeah. learn to lead and use right. their gifts and grow in their faith as if they're going to pastor people, right. mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Right. So some of these things are, will fall more under the direct God given responsibility of men, mm-hmm. but it, they're not things women shouldn't have. So like sometimes you just have to think of it as like a big Venn diagram. You've got two big ovals and they're overlapped about 65%. Mm-hmm. And because think about it, if men and women didn't radically overlap, we have a, we'd have a really hard time getting along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like every situation in life, you'd have to keep flipping who's doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I can't possibly do this as a woman. You have to do this, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if, like if women had legs and men had arms mm-hmm. and that was it, you know, it's to be like, oh, this is an arm task. You know, like <laughs> it, it's not like that. There's huge overlap yeah. because there's a lot of overlap in what we have to do with and for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there are non-overlaps where the other person is meant to excel or be more specialized or ha- have it more driven into the passions of their heart than the other person. Mm-hmm. And understanding the overlap and those other ends of that spectrum in normative masculinity and femininity is helpful to figure out how we're supposed to relate to each other. So please don't take that women shouldn't be like any of these things. And please recognize that um, we believe that there's huge overlap between good masculinity and good biblical femininity mm-hmm. because both bear the image of God and everything directly connected Amen. to the image of God is going to find some expression in both men and women. And there's many cases in which women will, will move aside to let men do things that they can do mm-hmm. in order to recognize there are some things only women can do and some things only men can do. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so there's a lot more we could say on all these things. Yeah. But we'll get back to the masculinity thing in future so episodes. So check in for the second episode of Masculinity yeah. on the Escaping Babel Com podcast. Um, thanks, guys. And we'll see you later. You're welcome, Thank John. You. Bye. <laughs>